I sat down in the gym and my shin snapped. And that's something we do every day. And I couldn't even do that without breaking. So if I can't do that, how was I meant to run? Olympic Channel Podcast. British runner Bobby Clay. Hi, I'm Ash Tullock, and welcome to the official Olympic Channel Podcast. Each week, we speak to incredible athletes and tell their stories while discussing the biggest Olympic talking points. Olympic Channel Podcast. Now, I think the story we're telling today is a really important one about a young woman's journey of ambition, pain, and of sheer perseverance. Right now, Bobby Clay is a 21-year-old student studying at Loughborough University in England. And just like the Bruce Springsteen song goes, she says she was born to run. Along with winning numerous middle distance British titles on the track and in cross country, she came fourth in the 1500 metres at the 2013 World Youth Games. And then she went on to win the 2016 European Junior title in the same distance. She was following her dream of competing at the Olympics. But three years ago, that dream came to an abrupt halt. Running was her life, so much so that she overtrained, underfueled, wasn't getting her period, and was diagnosed with the bone disease osteoporosis. All that at 18 years old. Since her diagnosis, Bobby's world has, understandably, been turned upside down. But she's still as determined as ever to get back on the track, qualify for an Olympics, and help other young athletes to not make the same mistakes she did. You're listening to the Olympic Channel Podcast. Hello, Bobby. It's Ashley from the Olympic Channel. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And really grateful you're willing to tell us your story. Can we rewind the clock back to when you were 15? So six years ago, you were winning lots of races, you were in the British team, and you seemed to have the world at your feet. What was your life like then? It was it was absolutely jam-packed. As you say, things were going very much my way, probably more than I suppose it really normally would. I just didn't realise that in the process I was damaging myself. By the time I got to the age of about 17, I was probably covering about between 90 and 110 miles a week. It was a lot. I was lucky enough to have my sister to do it with me. I say lucky. I think we kind of influenced each other, which wasn't necessarily a good thing. We were both as sneaky as each other, I suppose. What do you mean when you say sneaky? What were you doing and who were you hiding it from? Um, my parents, I kept them very much in the dark of how much training I was doing. I worked out ways I could run for longer and cover more distance without them necessarily knowing. We have a small farm, so if they woke up and I wasn't, in my bed, it was because I was out doing my animals. So I could leave super early, go out, go for a run, do the animals and then come in and they would have already left for work. 
every week I wanted to prove to myself that I could go a bit further, go a bit harder. And it kind of just blew up a bit out of control because the amount I was doing was senior man kind of distances. So it was, it was a bit mad, but at the same time, I felt that if I wanted to compete with these girls, I needed to be outshining them. You say it was a little bit mad. Do you think that that hunger and that burning desire possibly was more than just that? Do you think maybe you had an obsession? Oh, I definitely was obsessed with my weekly mileage. I would begin the week with some kind of target number of miles in my head and I would not just reach it, I would go over that. I got to the point where everything around my training had to be perfect. When I got home from school, I had an exact time I wanted to eat and I definitely viewed myself as if if you want to be a professional athlete, you need to behave like one. And that didn't match up with the lifestyle I probably should have been living. You sound in, incredibly focused and incredibly ambitious. So I'm wondering what was motivating you? What were you trying to achieve? I mean, the ultimate goal is to be an Olympian. For as long as I can remember, I've just had this burning desire to be an Olympian, have those Olympic rings tattooed onto me, and I feel like I'm meant to be there. I suppose what really, really drove me then, and I suppose still drives me now, is the fact that there's like a real fire inside me to prove to myself more than anything else that there are no limits. So you're certainly not afraid of the uncomfortable, are you? (laughs) Yeah, because there's always a point that if, if I'm working really hard, often... My, my vision, like a lot of people, goes a bit blurry. And it's that point that I kind of get this, it sounds almost twisted, um, this feeling of like euphoria of that I'm working so hard and I'm still able to keep working hard, yet my body's having to almost shut things down. I think it, now for me, it's just about training smart. So there's a time and a place for easy days because that's when you're actually going to build yourself again. You break yourself down when you're competing and training. So repair all of that, build yourself and make yourself stronger. So it got to the point where you were overtraining and undereating. And and obviously in terms of overtraining, you were doing extra miles. Were there other things that you were doing? Um, as I upped my training, I didn't ever increase my food intake. That wasn't a conscious, purposeful choice. I just continued other aspects of my life the way I always had and didn't take into consideration that actually I'm now expending a lot more energy than I ever have been. Still to this day, I I won't say I had an eating disorder because I didn't didn't have any mental hang-ups about food at all. There were no forbidden foods. I just ate very normally for a probably inactive mall human which isn't enough at all considering what I was doing it wasn't a case of I felt like I needed to lose weight I just wasn't eating enough at this point is anyone around you getting a little bit concerned was your coach or your parents kind of getting worried on the run-up to turning 16 my parents have already said to me by the time I'm 16 if I don't start period they was going to take me to the doctors and I hit 16, there was absolutely no sign of any period coming. And sure enough, they dragged me to the doctors. I was fuming. I didn't want to go. I said that they were wasting my time. 
that they're wasting their time. It was, I was just small, which I was. Everyone develops at different rates. Doctors just reinforced what I've just said to my parents pretty much. She's a very active girl, which often can cause periods to start later. She's very small, which also can mean periods start later. There's nothing to worry about. They brought me into doctors when I was 16. Then when I was 17, they took me in twice within the year. And then when I was 18, just before going to university, it took me again. Even then, I was very aware that to have a period, I couldn't be as lean as I was. And that wasn't a sacrifice I was willing to make. So you didn't want it? Not at all. If I'd got a period within that time, I would have been devastated and I would have concluded I wasn't in race shape. Because if you're in race shape, you don't get periods. And that's, that is a view which is still held by a lot of female athletes. What was the... What was the turning point when all of this came to a head and you realised that there was a serious problem? Um, So I just was coming to the end of my first season at university with my new coach and I was stronger, I was fitter, I was on half the mileage I was on and it it was just an incredible year. I was really learning to train smart. I was training with some really great girls who were all a lot older than me, a lot more mature influenced me in a fantastic way and Rob my coach was incredible he um he he understood me and got me straight away so I wanted to do what I was told I didn't do anything extra things were just going brilliantly and then I was in the swimming pool with my sister and I did a tumble turn off the wall and as I pushed off the wall I felt something in my foot just break and I knew I knew something had broken it was so sore I, I touched the side and said, Alex, I've broken my foot. And she looked at me and was just like, back on, all right? I finished the rest of the swimming session with a broken foot, got out and was, I was limping. And between us, we'd managed to convince me that I must have bruised it because I hadn't done anything to warrant a break. It was bizarre. It was, re- it was really bizarre. And then the next day... I started the run and knew straight away I couldn't turn corners on this foot. Couldn't turn a corner. So my brain rather than says, you can't turn a corner. It's really hurting. You should probably just not run. Goes, oh, okay, we'll just run in a straight line. So you managed to find a straight bit of, bit of road and you ran up and down on a broken foot for how long? Um, so I ran out for three miles um, and I was crying pretty much all the way and then ended up telling my sister she had to come collect me because I couldn't move my foot and by now it was so inflamed and it was so sore that I rang Rob and was said to him I know I should have told you but I just I just thought it was a bruise so he got me in for a scan straight away and they scanned my foot and I had fractured my foot which was from the pool and then from the run managed to get myself three stress fractures all within the foot so I I properly ruined my foot um British Athletics were very keen to get me scanned um give me some bone scans because they said that it it wasn't normal and in my head all it was was a little freak accident 
and then I went got my scans on my bones and then it came back that maybe I wasn't quite as healthy as I thought I was. Yeah, it sounds like a, that was a pretty tough time. Um, so how did you how did you get the results? How did you find out? I opened the email and it like straight away I saw that it said osteoporosis of the spine and in the hips. I was reading it over and over again and was like I was just a bit confused. I just didn't understand how or why and it was just a bit of why me and at that from that point for a long time I was just denying the fact that I had something wrong with me. But it was almost as if I opened this email and my body internalized the problem because my foot healed great. It was it was brilliant. Like the bones healed really well. But then just from that moment onwards, any time I tried to do even the smallest tasks, something would break. For the next two years, I must have spent at least 10 and a half months, both years in a boot. I would have about a a week to two weeks window after coming out of boot to just going straight back in one. I got to the point where I sat down in the gym and my shin snapped. And sitting down is such a normal, that's something we do every day. And I couldn't even do that without breaking. So if I can't do that, how was I meant to run? That to me was a massive turning point because I suddenly realised you can't approach life the way you always have anymore. You're not in a good way and you're going to have to change the way you approach things. Wow, that's a tough realisation to come to terms with at any age, let alone at 18. Now, I know osteoporosis is a skeletal disease and it means your bones are more fragile and are at a high risk of breaking. And I guess I'd associate that with being something older people get. Yeah, completely. The example people use is an old lady falls over and she breaks her hip or something. And it's just like, I was at that point, but I was meant to be the fittest and strongest of my life. And I was just the most fragile I'd ever been. So I understand that bone density is measured by T-scores and the UK National Osteoporosis Foundation says that normal bone density ranges from around minus one upwards. So plus one to minus one is average. At that point, what was your bone density? Do you remember? Um, it was minus 3.8 in my spine and minus 3.4 in each hip. That it, was, it, was, it wasn't great. Yeah, so that's hitting red on the Richter scale, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So as this all came came to fruition and you were given the diagnosis, what did that then mean for you and your career? I spent a long period of time knowing full well that what had happened was my fault, um, which meant I for a long period of time wouldn't really accept help from other people because I didn't want people I love being dragged into something that I'd caused and then I went through a stage of everything I just I was having continued blood tests and scans and I felt a bit like a lab rat and I just spent every single day in some kind of medical institute every single day seeing a different doctor who was just as pessimistic as the one before 
telling me that oh I've I've reached my peak bone mass now it's only downhill from here and I was never ever gonna make my bones stronger and this is the end of my career and the amount of times I've been told it was the end of my career I'm just so happy I didn't internalize that because I knew myself and I still know it's not the end of my athletics career yeah I mean it is a it is one big obstacle but it's something I can get around because I just want to run and I just love it and then eventually I found a doctor that I absolutely love and she was she worked wonders with me and she understood me she realized I would do anything that she asked of me and we started um hormone replacement therapy to get my to actually get a period and um that's when things started to really change when I found a doctor I, I liked I got myself finally to be on my medication the medication was hormone replacement treatment um so did, has that worked uh, yeah so I am bang on regular with a period every month now Woohoo! yeah I mean I, I'm, I was happy about it, but at the same time, it's a bit of a ball ache, really. It's expensive. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, I could be spending this money on anything else, but instead, I'm spending it on tampons. When I got my first period, my mum was buzzing. I rang her to tell her, and I was in like, I was in like a public place, and I'm pretty sure everyone could like hear her shouting down the phone of how happy she was, and then. I don't know where her brain went with this because I, I just don't understand how how she got to this conclusion. But she finished off the phone call with, "Can I get you a cake?" Uh, I'm not sure. I'm really sure I want a period cake. Thanks, Mum. But um, thanks. Yeah, I was half expecting to return back home, and there'd be like a surprise party, like period themed party or something. Which, thank God she didn't, because I would have been highly embarrassed. <laughs> your mum sounds awesome. You talked before about sitting down and your shin breaking. How many bones do you think you've broken or fractured so far? It must be over 20 between my two shins. My shins are the main area. They just do not play ball. They're so temperamental. And then I had one within my femur, which was because that is a big bone to break and then I had some scans this summer and then he said oh well your two spinal fractures are healing and I didn't even know I'd had them so now you're still working on getting those bones stronger uh and you're cycling so does that mean that you've given up on the running dream oh not at all as much as I love track cycling it's serving a purpose so while I can't run I'll cycle just so that I can compete and I can race. That I'm going to be competing in the British Champs this weekend, which is scary, um, on the velodrome. So that's super exciting and I'm absolutely buzzing to do it. But once that's out of the way, me introducing running is going to be a slow, gradual process, but I'm going to be back on two feet. And so where are you at now, mentally and physically? Mentally, I'm in a lot better way. I mean, I'm I'm still crazy about athletics, I'm, and I'm I'm gonna get there, whatever. I say even if it kills me, but I feel like my parents are a fan of that phrase because they actually think that that's the I would. So, being on the bike, I'm I'm the fittest I've ever been on the bike. I'm happy. I'm I'm healthy. 
when my body says, yes, we can run, or yes, we can introduce some running again, I'm like, well, I'm good to go. So let's let's get this show on the road. It's just now a case of my body being ready. And so you've still got that long goal, the the Olympic dream, Paris maybe, or LA 2028? Yeah, of course I've got that Olympic dream. That's I wake up and go to bed every single day knowing that, that that's eventually where I'm going to be. You're also in your final year of studying psychology and I understand that that includes finishing your dissertation. What What is your dissertation on? It's the socially constructed male perception of the female period. So the title of my dissertation is We Need to Talk About It, period. I like it. It's catchy. It's, it's something I'm passionate about and it's something that society needs to change. And men, they don't receive the same education about periods as women do. But at the same time, it's just as much their problem because eventually these young boys are going to be fathers. They're probably already brothers. They're going to be boyfriends. They have so much influence on a female's life that a female should be able to talk to them about a natural fun- function, which I think at the moment is such a taboo subject that men can't even talk about it. And that's something I want to change. I look forward to hearing how that goes. Good luck. So now that you've got to this point and you've been through what is, you know, a truly incredible journey and you've still got that tenacious burning desire to keep going, which is incredible, but what is your advice to any other young athletes who who may have that same, you know, fire in their belly um, that that you did? Well, number one, I think you need to just always love the sport, even if that means not being as competitive. Maybe you're doing training you love. Just always love the sport because if you love the sport, the sport gives back. That's my number one. And then listen to other people. You may think you know everything at the age of 14, 15. You don't. You haven't lived enough, number one. And number two... Other people from the outside can look without a skewed or biased view. And it's very easy to get trapped like I did and caught up in your own brain, which is constantly telling you, you need to do more. And when it's people you love telling you things, they're telling you because they love you. And it might not be what you want to hear, but you should at least stop to listen. And that's something I didn't do. And it's something that maybe I wouldn't necessarily be in a position like this if I had. And I guess the other thing is that now that you're able to tell your story, hopefully there are other people out there who will learn from what you've been through and it can help them in their journeys as well. So thank you so much for your time. It sounds like you've got a bright future ahead of you, whether it's running, cycling, or just being you and doing the things that you're really passionate about. So I do wish you all the very best. Thank you. No, it was lovely to talk to you. Think like an Olympian. Another big thank you to Bobby for taking the time to share her story. 
Now, if any of the things we discussed resonates with you or you think someone you know may need some support, then have a look at the Train Brave campaign. It's something Bobby found support through as well. They provide resources to athletes and are trying to inspire more athletes to share their stories to raise awareness of issues like overtraining, undereating, relative energy deficiency, and eating disorders in sport. And we'll share a link to their website as well. And look, we'll keep you posted on how she's getting on. So make sure you jump on our website, olympicchannel.com. And of course, you can follow us on social media at Olympic Channel. And don't be afraid to tell us what you think of the podcast because we do. We really want to hear from you. So give us your feedback, your thoughts and your opinions. It's all welcome. Also, if you want to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that would be brilliant. And you can subscribe while you're there as well because both of those things help spread the word about this podcast and we really do love bringing it to you. If you've already done that, thank you. And thanks again to Bobby and to you for listening. We'll catch you next week. That was the Olympic Channel Podcast.